Maximetaiva. The the lighter side of the darkness that pervaded Tafshin Pei were the memes, the quotes, the little videos, and the jokes that were circulating, you know, throughout the whole universe during this ordeal. Uh, through either WhatsApp or email or whatever medium, these little jokes and these emails, these light, you know, light things would traverse the universe at light speed, and you would undoubtedly get those jokes from, repeatedly, from those people on your contacts that find it their God-ordained mission to forward those kind of things to everybody. So, you know, you, everybody has one or two of them, and then you know you get all the jokes, you get them once, you get them twice, you get them three, three times, then you know everybody in the world has seen them already at that point. So there was a wonderful, a wonderful meme that I just saw that I'll share with you. Now, uh, that being that we're doing this on Zoom, I can actually screen share it. <clears throat> and uh, I'll read it as well. They say our actions on the high holidays determine what will be decreed for our coming year. So whatever you guys did last year, please don't do it again. <laughs> So, I think that meme, it raises an important question. What, what did we do last year that brought this on? Well, no one knows the answer to that question. But the truth is that this year passed and the year coming upon us is a puzzle. I think that there's a unique solution to this puzzle for every single individual. Everybody has their own solution to this puzzle. And the puzzle is, why did all these tests, all the difficulties, all the nisyayness that happened and are happening, why did they happen to me? And the, better, the, really que- the real question is, the better question is, am I learning what I am meant to learn from all this? And ultimately, that's the real tshuva. The real tshuva is when we can take our life events, the things that affect us, the things that are difficult for us, and then understand and try to apply it. And that's what Hashem wants us to do, to learn from them, to change ourselves, to do something because of it. So in my personal attempt to try to unravel the puzzle of COVID, I tried to review the year starting, you know, just about the end of February and the beginning of March when this all started. And generally, it's kind of hard to think back, though, you know, these months and try to figure out what happened, what didn't happen. But now I have a secret trick. My trick is I'm just looking through all the memes and the jokes and the, 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 the emails, and I get a very good idea of what we were thinking at the time and what our emotions were and how we were relating to the situation. I'm very tempted to make a collage of all of them. You know, if you remember in the beginning, somehow we were convinced it wasn't going to come here. I don't, I don't understand why. Thinking back, Italy, people were dying on the streets. Spain, Eretz Yisrael was locked down, and we were watching all these the funny you know, videos of the people in Eretz Yisrael in lockdown, trying to entertain themselves. They were climbing out of their windows, their porches up and down, if you saw these videos. And we were like saying, yeah, no, it is not happening here, right? It's not going to happen over here. And then people were saying, okay, maybe it's only the old people. Oh, do you know how many people die from the flu every year? And uh, it's not such a big deal. Wash your hands a little bit. And then if you remember Purim time, there were the shakers and the non-shakers. People did shake your hand, didn't shake your hand. And this was like total denial <laughs> that this was going to happen. And you think about it now, it's like, what were we telling ourselves? 
And I remember right before Purim, we were starting to hear these dire warnings from the doctors and the epidemiologists and, 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 and they were saying what's going to be happening here. And I remember asked, speaking to Rabbi Walter and saying, you know, they seem to know something that we don't know. And looking back, it's like, what was so hard to know that they know that we don't know? Obviously, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen the same way it happened everywhere. I was in Los Angeles, the Shabbos that we closed our shul. We, sh- we closed our shul in Parshas Para. It was uh, Parshas Kisisa. And I was in Los Angeles that Shabbos for a 50th anniversary for my in-laws. And we closed, the sh- we closed the shul on Friday. So I was there, and my father-in-law's shul was still open, and it was uh, Shal Shudis. And I was sitting next to a long-standing member of the shul, someone, you know, Chashiva Balbas in, in my father-in-law's shul, and I was sitting next to him, and I said, you know that by next Shabbos, your shul is going to be closed. And he looks at me incredulously, uh, even derisively, and he said, what? No way. End quote. Their shul was closed by Monday. <laughs> it was, two days later, it was closed. And by the end of the week, the whole USA was closed. So, you know, we thought then, okay, two weeks, that'll be over, right? That looking back again, what? why did we think it'll be over in two weeks? And again, Walter told me, you know, we'll be lucky if we're open on Shavuos. And I thought to myself, Shavuos, wow, what will take so long? <laughs> you know, and we're lucky we're open now. And then school, right? We saw school will open in May, it'll open in June, it'll open in July. And even now, it's kind of a figment of our imagination that the school is open at all. So as this was all going on and the darkness of it and the deepness of it, there were these memes. And they were trying to, some of them were being realistic and some of them were being idealistic. So here's a couple of them I'll share with you. Um, there, there was this one, which was more of the realistic kinds. I had my patient tested. I'm negative. <laughs> and then there was... Um, uh, let's see, what else did we have here? Then we had... Uh, this one, this is more the idealistic. Not everything is canceled. Sunshine is not canceled. Spring is not canceled. Love is not canceled. Relationships are not canceled, etc. You get the idea. Uh, then there was this one. Anne Frank spent two years hiding in an attic, and we've been home for just over a month. Netflix moves, delivery, video games, and there's people risking viral death, etc. So. You know, we all were exposed to all these memes trying to help us relate to our situation. And then there were a couple of memes that, that uh, actually tried to bring the real point home. Like this one. Faith is not knowing what the future holds, but knowing who holds the future. That was a good one. And that's still true. And then there is uh, this one, which is still true. A very nice phrase. The world is closed for renovation. Grand reopening soon. Well, kind of, I think we're still waiting for that, that grand reopening. So, what, what does this teach us about ourselves and about our lack of ability to accept the reality that we don't run the world? Yeah, the struggle is still raging in front of us. You know, the virus is gone, or is it, is it here, or is it not here? Are people being too stringent, too crazy, too panic-stricken, or are they being too lenient, too careless, too irresponsible? Right? Every person thinks to themselves that we are doing the right thing. But are we? Why does anybody think that they know what's the right thing? The saddest one of all these emails that I looked at was this one. And the most poignant. So this is a picture of Shari Tzedek Hospital. And this is about mid-May. So it said, the coronavirus ward at Shari Tzedek Hospital in Jerusalem has closed after the last of its patients recovered. The last three patients. 
aged 88, 91, 93, all made a full recovery. So that was mid-May. And unfortunately, right, if they would only know what's coming. And we think to ourselves, right, it's not going to happen here. And we have all kinds of svaras why that won't happen here. But we're not getting, we're missing the boat and we're still missing the boat. We're not in control. We are not in control. So the, the puzzle that I'm assembling from all these pieces creates the following picture. Hashem wants us to realize two things. Number one, He wants us to realize that He is really in control. Not us, not in the least, not anything. And number two, He wants us to realize that what we have is totally not guaranteed. Every single chesed we get from Hashem is so meaningful. And we have to be thankful for Hashem to granting, for granting us whatever it is we have, our health, our happiness, our, 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 our family, our wealth, everything. We have to be grateful for every part of it. Those are the two points that I think we're being driven home this year, more and more. If I look back at Aseris Yumei Tshuva last year, and Yom Kippur, and I looked, about, I looked at my speeches, I saw what I was talking about, what was on my mind, what I was working on, and I talked a little bit about Betachen, I will say that, but uh, very little, and a little did I know what was coming. And I didn't think that these two points of realizing how much it is that Hashem is in control and, and recognizing how much we have to be grateful for what we have, I didn't think that these were the major points of Avodah Hashem that I needed to work on. I didn't think I have to work so hard to internalize the reality that my health is not guaranteed, that I have to be thankful every day, that I can walk out and I can breathe and I can enjoy my children. I didn't think that. It wasn't high up on my list. But clearly God disagreed. (laughs) He had a different plan, a different learning plan for me this year and for all of us. What He does want us to work on. So now with renewed clarity, I think about it and I say, you know what? That's really what Avedis Hashem is all about. For us to be able to be mizbatel, for us to be able to give over the steering wheel to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, you know what, you got this, you're in control here, is true Dveikas Bashem. That is the purpose of all Avedis Hashem, is to come to that level of Dveikas Bashem where it's not me, it's you. The most important lesson we can perhaps learn. And... Being, recognizing a Kaddish Baruch Hu and realizing how much Hakara Satayv we have to have for every little thing that we have is, according to the Ramban, that's the point of all Torah Mitzvahs, that we should come to that recognition, that Hakara Satayv. So these two things that Hashem has been trying to get our attention with are ultimately the point of, 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 of the, perhaps the biggest points in Avodah Hashem that we need to focus on so much more. But the truth is that realizing these lessons, which have hopefully changed us and changed our outlook, was a real epiphany for me in tshuva particularly. And that's a fascinating thing. It changed the way I approached to tshuva. And I think it can really change our success in doing tshuva. My wife was teaching in the girls' school in YGW. And... She was teaching in, in YGW, and she was asked the question that undoubtedly we ask ourselves every year, and that was, how can we honestly do tshuva? How can we say vidui? When we know how unlikely it is that we're going to change. You know, we tried this last year. We didn't change last year. 
So we're going to come in front of Hashem and say Vidu again. Like, how do we do that? How is it done? And it's a good question, and it's a question that I ask myself all the time, and I'm asked that question, so I had a couple of ready answers for that. First thing, and this is really true, that people do change. Don't think people don't. It's incorrect. People change, and I've seen it. And if you think about it, you'll realize that you've seen it too. People really do change. They change their lifestyle. They change their commitments. They change their level of spirituality. They change how much they learn, how much they daven. They get kinder. They get more patient. It does happen. People do change. So think, understand, it's a real possibility. Number two, we don't really measure change uh, accurately. We don't do a good job of it because change is slow and it's incremental. And if we would do a good job taking stock of ourselves which we don't, we would see that from last year to this year, we did change. And we did add a number of things in our Avedis Hashem, in our spirituality, in, in, in our Midas Taivas. It did change. It changed slow. It changed little by little, but it changed. So we don't do that. So we, we just like kind of make a little change, and then that just becomes, okay, that's us. But it's not. We've changed. Third, is that what Hashem really wants from us is not to give up. And understand, there's two aspects to this. One is, is that you, if we get the right siyata dishmaya, we will change. And very often, there is this blast of siyata dishmaya that a person gets, and he gets the right inspiration, he hears the right shear, he meets the right person, his situation changes, he has the right life event, and he really changes. And that's siyata dishmaya, that's a tremendous gift from Hashem. And that happens. And when that happens, we change. And lastly, the reality is, is that actually if we try to change and we fail, and we try again, that's the greatest form of Avaitis Hashem that there could be. It's not such a big deal if you're successful and you keep on doing it. But if you fail and you try again nonetheless, what kind of Avas Hashem does that demonstrate? What kind of Yerushimayim does that demonstrate that I'm not going to give up, even though I fail? Those are four answers I gave to this question. They're good answers. But there's an underlying truth to these answers that I, I didn't directly address and I didn't realize how powerful it is. You see, we think we can change and we don't really believe in ourselves. And the funny thing is, is that we actually are right about that. We shouldn't believe in ourselves. We really can't do it. We can't. We can't change. We can't do tshuva. We, we can't overcome our habits, our lack of patience, our bad meters. We aren't good at holding back when we really want something and not taking whatever we want. We're kind of built to fail. And that's true. And it's the biggest lie at the same time. Chazal tell us, Amr Reb Shimon Ben Levi. Reb Shimon Ben Levi says, "Yitzray shall Adam is gaber alav b'chal yoyim." A person's yitzhara tries to overcome him every day. Umevakish laham misa, and he tries to kill us. He's going for he's going for gold. He wants to kill us. The ilmalei Hakadosh Baruch Hu Oizre and Yachalai. And if not that Hashem helps us, we would not be successful. So think about that for a minute. That means that if we try to do it on our own, we will fail. We can't do it on our own. We can't change if we're just going to try it on our own. If we think we can make it happen, we can't. And we can only do it if Hashem helps us. 
So when you think about it, we say, you know, I'm never successful to change. I can't do it. I don't have the willpower. I don't have the perseverance. I don't seem to have the motivation. What we really should be thinking is, I didn't rely on Hashem enough. I didn't daven to Hashem enough to overcome it. I didn't work on my bitachin and my reliance on Hashem's help, and I failed to see when Hashem is helping me. That's the way we should approach this, a very different approach. It's not me that the problem is. The problem is it's not me relying on Hashem enough. I'm not accessing the greatest, the most powerful resource that I have. And this whole COVID-19 experience is worthwhile to teach us that. That stop thinking that we can do it. Stop thinking that we can do it on our own. Stop thinking that we're in control. Stop thinking that we can alter our destiny all by ourselves. We can't. But we could if Hashem helps us. And He's there to help. He's there every day, every minute. But we have to rely on Him. We have to turn to Him. So if we go back to that question, right? How do we do tshuva? How do we say vidu every year? What are we, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, we know it won't work. The correct answer is we're missing the boat. That's exactly what we're doing on Yom Kippur. When we're saying Hashem, when we're saying vidu, we're turning to Hashem and we're saying, we can't do it on our own. I know that's why I failed. I know that's why I wasn't successful. Because I can't do it on my own. Please help me do tshuva. Some people ha- changed, Right? Some people are successful to change because they got siyata dishmaya. They were gifted a wondrous gift, a beautiful gift by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. They got siyata dishmaya to make that change. And some people continue to struggle because a Kaddish Baruch Hu deemed that their struggle. So this leaves us in a position where what we need to do is prostrate ourselves in front of a Kaddish Baruch Hu and rely on Him. Now, my own personal experience this year, when I was sick and I was in ICU, there was nothing that worked. They, were, they didn't even know how to treat COVID. They had no even ideas at that point. It was, it was right in the beginning. So there was nothing they could do. They could just watch the numbers on the screen, which is all we did. So the only thing we could do, which we all did, Baruch Hashem, and the Olam really came t- together, which was so beautiful. We davened, then we davened, then we davened. And the recognition is, is that we always need to do that. That's the only way we're going to be successful with tshuva. It can't be done on our own. We have a guarantee from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not going to work on our own. And we have to really turn to Him for this. I want to share a story that demonstrates how Hashem enables tshuva. I heard this from Charlie Harari. He said that he got an email from a woman about nine months ago. So this would be pre-COVID. And the, the email said that her son just got engaged. It's chasen. And during the course of dating, when he was, her, her son was dating this girl, she had some issues with the girl, which she shared with the son. She said a couple of nasty things about the girl. That was her opinion of her. She was trying to advise her son. And her son subsequently shared it with his, uh, I guess, date, girlfriend, and to, who became his kala. And now they got engaged, and her, her daughter-in-law, her future daughter-in-law, is not forgiving her, not forgiving her, and is very openly hostile to her. And she tries to talk to her, she avoids her. And she doesn't know what to do. What am I supposed to do now? She asks for advice. Now, as an aside, this is such a, just a, such an important lesson for us all, to please not say nasty things about people 
it's going to come and bite our heads off. It's inevitable, especially in, the, in today's world. It's just unavoidable. And, and the woman needed to advise her son. She could have done it without having to say something bad. But Mr. Harari continues that a month ago, he gets another email from this woman. And this woman says that she wants to give, tell him the end of the story. Her daughter-in-law was like an only girl, and her family was a very wealthy family. And she had her image in her mind as from a young girl of this storybook wedding. It was going to be the most beautiful, fanciest, classiest wedding possible. And she had it all pictured in her mind. And her family was very happy to fill her dreams, to fill her wishes. And they began planning, and they reserved the, the, the fanciest hall, and they had the, the caterers, and they had the flowers, and they had all the things that you can throw into a wedding to make it fancy, classy, and, you know, I, I, tear everybody's eyes out. And then... Her chasna was supposed to be after Pesach, and the reality slow, slowly but surely started to set upon them that it's just not happening. Not happening. And they're not having that chasna. And they were going to have to have a backyard wedding like everybody else. <clears throat> and this mother-in-law, although she didn't have a relationship with her daughter, she felt very terrible for her daughter-in-law. She felt terrible for her that her dreams got crushed. And she apparently was a, a, par- a party planner, a very talented lady, and she really wanted to do what she could to try to make this day special for her future daughter-in-law. So she threw herself into it, and she really knocked herself out. She put tremendous effort in making whatever there was as classy as possible, as fancy as possible, and as nice as possible, as personalized as possible. She put every single effort into it, stayed up nights, put effort after effort, and she managed to do make it as beautiful as it could be and as a backyard wedding. So... One day during Sheva Brachas, she comes downstairs. This is during lockdown. So uh, probably 9 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's still sleeping, obviously, right? And you get up at 10 o'clock during lockdown. And her daughter-in-law is up and sitting by the kitchen table. So she sees her daughter-in-law. She knows her daughter-in-law doesn't like to talk to her. So she, she heads off to another room. But her daughter-in-law says, Mom, could you sit and sit with me for a minute? I want to talk to you. And they start having a discussion. And they start to talk. And... They have a beautiful discussion. It's like a change of heart. And, and she's, you know, she's just wondering at it, wow, like what happened here? And then her daughter tells her, Mom, you know, I know what you did to make this wedding beautiful. I know how much work you put into it and how much effort you put into it. And I know, and you know, it wasn't for your son. He couldn't care less. He was fine with whatever it was. It didn't make a difference to him. And I know it wasn't for you. You didn't need this. I know that you did it only for me. And I really, really appreciate that. And I want to get past this. So thank you. So you think about that. Look at this woman. She did an Avera. She said nasty things about her daughter-in-law. And if things would have stayed status quo, that would have wrecked her relationship with her daughter-in-law, with her son, probably eventually with her grandchildren, and who knows what. And here God gave her an opportunity. He enabled her to do tshuva. That's a tremendous siyata dishmaya. HaKadosh Baruch who moved the world to, be, to, to allow her, to enable her to find a way to do tshuva. I want to mention something else. We're on the topic. An integral part of tshuva is, is recognizing the need to do tshuva, seeing what we're missing. As we said in the Aftar, Shuvi Yisrael, you have to return to Hashem because you've stumbled. You have to recognize that we stumbled. 
Now, our regular routine gets interrupted, as it did, through, through the coronavirus, and there's a lot of stress and a lot of tension between people. And when that happens, then our weaknesses start to get, get onto display. Now, the key element in tshuva, especially in Yom Kippur, is improving our benadam l'chavere, and making peace with each other. Now, we've seen beautiful things over COVID. Uh, one of the, another one of these wonderful memes, let me see if I can share that again, is um, of a Rebbe, this is a picture of him, that he um, drove from Brooklyn to Long Island to deliver Kugel and Mountain Dew to each of his students. It took him three hours plus. A small story, just beautiful. How so people went out of their way to do chesed. You know, this rabbi, he's teaching on Zoom. He wants to give a reward to his Talmidim, right? What's he going to give them? A Bitcoin? Right? He has to give them something. So he went. He actually did it. And he bagged something and he went and he distributed it. And there was so much beautiful chesed that we saw. The opportunities that came up specifically because of the virus, not the least of which the chesed that I myself personally appreciated from everybody coming together and davening and helping. And how people helped each other. But at the same time, the nature of every Nisayan is that there's good can come out of it, but bad can come out of it as well. And it strained our relationships. It did. It really did. And a big part of Bein Adam at the core of Bein Adam is being non-judgmental. And being non-judgmental means to be able to accept someone else, respect them, even though they think differently than you, even though what they think you feel very strongly is wrong. To be non-judgmental means to accept them, to appreciate them, to understand their nisyanis are different than you, their background is different than you, their emotions are different than you, and if you would be them, you probably would do the same thing. And I think that if we find ourselves being judgmental, we find ourselves mocking other people, we have to start look inside ourselves and say, I always thought I was non-judgmental, but maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I need to work on that. And we all have to wa- walk out of this pandemic working on ourselves, improving in some way. And I think... As a community, we can make a Kabbalah. At the very least, for the duration of this pandemic, it should be very short. But looks like it's here for a little while. So, while it's going, let's be Mikabal. To not talk about other people. Just not, not talk about them. When we disagree with them, we don't approve of them. There are times that perhaps it's a TLS. There are organizations we have issues with. There are leaders of organizations we have issue, issue with. But, you know, I've been hearing a lot of this talk. And I'm yet to hear something that is a talus. I haven't heard yet a talus. I've heard a lot of complaining, a lot of anger, and a lot of blame. And instead, let's focus on finding positive about other people, positive about our community, positive about our organizations. And that will be such a powerful force to be a schuss for all of us, to get us out of this. And everybody, without fail, if you say Tefillah Zaka, Erev Yom Kippur, that's great. And if you don't say Tefillah Zaka, everybody, please remember, Erev Yom Kippur, to say, I'm Michal, everybody that said Lashon Hara about me, that spoke about me, and I hope that they're Michal, me as well. And may Hashem put it in the hearts of everybody to be Michal each other. So, let's turn to Shemayin Esra Yom Kippur. Because in Shemayin Esra Yom Kippur, there's a very interesting part. Every single one of the Tefillahs, Mariv, Shachris, Musaf, Mincha, and Ilah, there's a little part in the middle over there, by Kedusha Sayyayim, that you say three psukim, one after another. It almost feels like you're being Mavra Sedra. You're doing Shnai Mikra. You say, V'nemar, V'nemar, V'nemar. There's, the three psukim are, Anoichi, Anoichi, Humoicha Pshaecha, Lamani, V'chatesecha, Le'ezkar. Anoichi, Anoichi, I, and only I, 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I erase your sins for my sake, Lamani, and I won't remember your, your errors. Next Pasuk. I erased like a dark cloud your sins and your errors. Return to me, I have redeemed you. And the last Pasuk, on this day on Yom Kippur, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will forgive all your sins and in front of Hashem, you will become pure. These are three psukim that we say in Shemana Esra, and we read them, we don't know exactly why we're saying them, but really they were inserted there to teach us, to help us, give us the motivation, give us direction, how to do tshuva, how to be successful in doing tshuva, and how to find inspiration to do tshuva. If you stop for a minute, you just look at the language of the psukim. Anoichi, anoichi, humoichi Only Hashem can help you do tshuva. I erase your averis. Shuva elai, come to me, Galticha. I am going to redeem you. You can only become pure in front of Hashem. So the one clear thing being emphasized, emphasized by these three psukim is, you want to do tshuva, turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the only way it'll work. The first pasuk, Anoichi, Anoichi, Moichi, the Zohar says, Anoichi, Anoichi, these two times Anoichi, one represents the Anoichi of Matan Taira, Anoichi Hashem Aleikecha, and the other Anoichi is Anoichi of Bria Shemaim Varaz, the creation of the world, is a Pasuk in Yeshaya, Anoichi Asisi Eretz, I created the world. So I saw in a Sefer, uh, Yetav Panim, that explains like this. He says that Har Sinai represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu's miraculous involvement with the world. When he does Shaloi Kedar HaTeva, he gets involved with the world and he helps people do the tshuva, do the right thing. Look at Har Sinai, right? Klai Yisrael had the Tzias Mitzrayim, they had Kriyas Yamsev, they had the Mun, they had the Be'er, they had Anani HaKavet, they had so many miracles happening around them, all to enable them to make that correct decision of Kabbalah Satara. That was miraculous. And then the Anoichi of Bria Shemaim Baruch, the Anoichi of creation of the world is the Derech HaTeva, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu moves things in the Derech HaTeva, so that he can enable you to do tshuva. That's how he understands what the Zayar is saying. All right, I want to give you an example of the Anoichi of Shaloi Kedarech HaTeva, the Anoichi of Anoichi Hashem Aleikecha, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu moves the world to help a person do tshuva. I heard this beautiful story, it's told by Rabbi Jason Wiener. Jason Wiener lives in Los Angeles, and he's the chaplain of Cedar sinai Medical Center. Cedar sinai I had a number of my children in that hospital. It's right, right near the, the Jewish neighborhood. And he's a chaplain. So he tells the story, and he says that this year, you, do, you know, they always have a Rosh Hashanah service in the chapel over there in Cedar sinai but this year, due to COVID, it was closed. So they decided that they were going to record the whole service so that they can share it with the different um, patients so they, they can watch a Rosh Hashanah ser- service, you know, maybe that much they can do. So mid-August he got together and they were recording, they were video recording their Rosh Hashanah service. He says he finished recording it and soon afterwards he gets a phone call. So a phone call is the daughter of a patient that he had been visiting, a from patient that he had been visiting regularly. Her mother was very sick, and her mother had not been doing well. She'd been suffering a tremendous amount and, and declining. So this daughter calls him and tells him, Rabbi, Rabbi Wiener, I have to tell you, I was watching my mother over the past week and a half, and she had declined, and she just got worse, and she was suffering. 
And I've been praying and begging God to make her better. And it seemed to me that God is punishing her and making her so sick and suffer so much. I just couldn't handle it anymore. I was so angry at God. And I wanted to act out and punish God. So she decided that one day she would punish God. She was going to eat a tray for lunch. She had never eaten tray in her life. So she went out to Cedar Sinai. She went to one of the cafes. She bought herself the, the most treif sandwich she could find. She brings it back. She's not going to bring it to her mother's room because her mother's going to be very disturbed by that. So she went to the lobby and she sat down on a couch. She unwraps the thing. And her hands are shaking because she never ate treif in her life. But she has this resolve. Yes, I have to do this. I have to show God. I'm angry at him. And she's about to put it in her mouth and bite. And she hears Takiya Schaefer. She hears two. She says, what? It's, it's the middle of August. It's not even L yet. I'm hearing things. She again, her hands are shaking. She's about to put it in her mouth, and she hears again, Tashrat, Tekiah, Shvarim, Trua. She says, "What's that? What's going on here?" So she goes to the chapel. She goes there, and she sees the rabbi's wearing his kittle, and the cantor is next to him, and they're blowing shofar. So she says, "God, you didn't forget about me. I see you didn't forget. I see you. You know me. You know I'm here, and you're paying attention to me." So she wraps up the sandwich. She gives it away. She goes back. She buys a kosher sandwich. And then she went and called Rabbi Wiener and told him this story. And this is this is a This is a Baruch is there for us, and he's going to make it happen. He's going to make our tshuva happen if he has to move the world miraculously or darachatava. The anoichi of this world, the anoichi of darachatava. That's the small incremental change. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu assists you, making those little changes, good ideas, He gives you a good idea and then you do it and it works. And little by little you make a change in your life. That's the Anoichi of Derech I want to give you a personal example of a small incremental change. It's not a big deal, and that's why I'm sharing it with you. A couple of years ago, I, I had wanted to make my, the first part of davening, like from Birchus HaShachar till Pesukah Zimra. I wanted to improve that part of davening. I didn't really say Karbanas at all, once in a while. Birchus HaShachar, Shvach, I wanted to make it better. So a number of years ago, maybe five, six years ago, I made one Kabbalah, and that Kabbalah was that I would not say Birchus HaShachar, any of those brachas, while I'm driving to Shul. I would either make it from a sitter at home, or I would make it in Shul with a sitter. Now let me tell you, this is a huge deal. <laughs> I don't know if you know what that's like, you know, but when you make a bracha, you know, it's a red light, you know, uh, and, and then you get to shul. Did I say the brachas yet? Which one was I up to? And, and you say two or two brachas two times, and the other bracha you don't even say one time. And it made a huge difference in my birchas hashach. So I did that about five or six years ago, and I've been able to keep to stick to it. Then, I, maybe like two, three years ago, I decided to add in Parshas HaTamid. I started saying the Parshas HaTamid. And I managed, it's not so long as Parshas HaTamid, I managed to say that every day. This year, especially due to the COVID and, 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 and the, the pandemic, I added um, Peter Maktaris, you know, the Parshas HaKatiris. So over the space of a couple of years, my first part of davening changed dramatically. I say brachas like a mensch now, I say the, the lion's share of Karbanis. And it happened very little, very small, incrementally, but it was a good idea that just fell into my head. And it's Shiyata Dishmaya, but that's Derechatabah. That's the Anoichi of Derechatabah. So Anoichi, Anoichi, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there to make it work. Shaloika Derechatabah, Orke Derechatabah. He will give you the Shiyata Dishmaya, gives us the Shiyata Dishmaya to make it work. 
What does the Pasik say? For my sake. Kaj Baruch who takes away your Averis for his sake. Why does he do it for his sake? It's for our sake. So I saw in Sefer Zev Yitrof, Zev Hoberman, Zatzal, he explains beautifully and he says that when we do an Avera, he says it hurts us, but if it hurts us, it hurts HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Whatever hurts us pains HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it pains him often a lot more than it pains us because we are not so sensitive to what's going on inside us. We don't know how much damage we're doing to ourselves and how much difficult we're making our life and our spirituality because of our Averis, but he does and he feels it and he suffers with it and he doesn't want to suffer. So he does this, he, he helps us, he gives us so much because I don't want to have to suffer with this. And so I heard again a beautiful marshal from Mr. Again Charlie Harari that demonstrates this in such a beautiful way. He says that he has this custom of bringing his five-year-old son to Mincha with him on Shabbos. He goes, takes him to Mincha, his son comes, sits next to him, he pretends to daven, and he, you know, it's really a special time for him to bond with his son. So one for a Shabbos afternoon, his son is playing out in the dirt, and he's all covered in dirt, he's dirty, and he tells him, it's 20 minutes to Mincha, I'm going to have to leave in 20 minutes, so, you know, stop playing, get yourself cleaned up so you can come, and he says, sure, Dad, I'm going to do that. Five minutes pass, still playing in the dirt. Ten minutes pass, still playing in the dirt. Fifteen minutes pass, it's five minutes until he has to leave, so... Starari starts getting ready, and the son's not going to come. What could he do? Half a minute later, four and a half minutes before he has to leave, his son comes dashing in, and he says, Wait up, Dad, I'm coming with you. And he says, You can't come with me. Look at you. You're full of dirt. So he said, Okay, I'll clean myself up. So he says, You can't clean yourself up. You're not going to be able to get clean in time. So his son's biting back tears, looks at him, and he says, Okay, Dad, you clean me. All right? It's checkmate. So that's exactly where HaKadosh Baruch was holding with us. That's a neichi, a neichi, a meichim Hashem wants to take us to Mincha with Him. He wants us to come along, but we're full of dirt. So we look at Hashem and says, look, we're, we're, that's what we do. We try. It's hard for us to stop. But we want to come. You clean us. A neichi, a neichi, a meichim for my sake. I want to be able to take you along. So the first Pasik teaches us this integral and such precious principle, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help us, and only He can help us, and He gives us so much, and He wants to be able to do it. So we need to turn to Him, and we need to rely on Him. And I think we can incorporate this in our tefillahs. We have a bracha dedicated to davening to Hashem to help us do tshuva, hashivenu. We have a bracha, and we say, We say this every day, three times a day. So we need to make a full stop before we say that bracha and realize this is where it's at. If we daven, if we have in mind, then Hashem will help us and we rely on Him and then we'll be successful. And we won't find ourselves next year asking the same question. Why am I doing tshuva for the same thing? We'll be act- it'll be a different world. The next Pasuk says, Mochisi ka'av pisho'echa I erased your averis like a dark cloud and like a, a cloud, your errors, your chatoim, your mistakes. Shuva like Yigalticha. Return to me. Do tshuva because I redeemed you. Now there's a very inherent question in the second Pasik. If Hashem erases our averis, right, then why do we then still need to do tshuva? Shuva like Yigalticha. I mean, didn't you just take away our averis? If you took them away, then why do we have to do tshuva? So this teaches us actually a very important point, two very important points about Juma. The word mochisi means to erase. Now I don't know if you watched that little video that I sent out about how to erase something from klaf. 
But the way you erase something from klaf, which is what this word means, you have to chip away at it. Little by little. You don't want to rip the whole klaf. You don't want to make a hole in your klaf. So you chip away. You do a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And then eventually you get it clean. That's mochisi. And HaKadosh Baruch is communicating to us, I'm going to help you do this. But you have to realize that's a process. And you have to realize how this process works. You tried last year, and then you were successful, maybe you kept your Kabbalah for a month, and then it didn't work anymore, right? You did something. You didn't waste your time. You chipped away at it. Do it again this year, you'll chip away a little bit more. And then you'll stop a month later, two months later. No problem, don't give up. Try again this year, and you'll chip away a little more, and eventually you'll get that gone. You have to approach Shuvu. We have to approach Shuvu with the attitude of Mechisi. It needs to go like that. You have to keep on hacking at it, and eventually we'll get that Tziyat Dishmaya and we'll be successful. And in order to do Shuvu, Hashem has to make it possible by removing these Ka'av Pisha'echa. Our Averis seem so overwhelming. They seem so dark, like a dark cloud frowning down at us. You know, with those angry eyes that they have in the children's books. And Hashem says, I'm going to take away those difficult Averis. I'm going to take away your Chatayim. So that you can do Tshuva. Because we can't do Tshuva when we're so overwhelmed by those things. We don't believe that we can do Tshuva. So Hashem says, you know what, I'll even do that for you. I'll take that away for you, just so you could be able to do Tshuva. That's the answer to this question. And there's another aspect to it that Sefer Eretz Tzvi or Ari Leib Framer, one of the pre-war, uh, Ari Leib Framer, one of the pre-war G'daylem, he explains in his Sefer. And I want to illustrate it again with a personal story. In, in 2005, I was in Los Angeles, Kyle, and I really wanted to, and this is something I was struggling, struggling with many years, I wanted to get up early for davening. Davening started at 5 to 7, and I wanted to be there a quarter to 7. I wanted to be there 10 minutes early, so that I'd have enough time to put on my tefillin, maybe learn a little bit before davening, and to come into davening, not huffing and puffing the way I used to come in, you know, on time, maybe for a couple of minutes late, and then, and then you get your tefillin on, and you miss half of Sukkot Zimra, I wanted to be able to daven like a mensch. Now, this was the beginning of the year, I made this Kabbalah, and I don't think it was going all that well. I, sometimes I did, sometimes I did, and it was it was difficult. And it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to wake up. It's hard to wake up, especially extra extra early. And then, in the middle of that year, two thousand and five, it was the Siyam Ashas, Tafiyemi Siyam Ashas, two two Siyam Ashases ago. And I was approached by a number of Balbatim who were very inspired by the Siyam Ashas, but they couldn't take on Tafiyemi because it was too hard for them. But they wanted to do something, so they wanted to take on a Dirshu program of learning like an Amud a week with Chazara with tests. And they asked me if I would lead it, and I agreed. And that Dirshu program started at 5.45 in the morning. So I ended up getting up at a time that you know, I never even imagined on the clock. And, and, and in p.m. I saw it. I never saw it in a.m. 5.45, a.m. So I remember thinking to myself that, you know, here I was really wanting, working on my chakras, on my tefillah to come wake up early. And, and, and I'm, I'm an hour earlier than that now. I'm like a, an, hour, an hour earlier than davening. And I was thinking to myself that, yeah, that doesn't count as tshuva. That was like a different thing. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't work on myself. And that's a very big mistake. That's the siyata dishmaya that a person gets. That's mochisi ka'ap pishachas, or varilev frama, the Eretz Tzvi, he says. That's what a Kaddish Baruch Hu does. He takes away the big nisyayinus. He takes away the really difficult things. And he leaves you a little bit that you have to do on your own. And when you do that, he attributes the whole tshuva to you. He makes changes your situation. He changes your, 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 you know, your, set, your layout so that it should become much easier for you. And then he attributes the full tshuva to you. And I was thinking, like, you know, this year, people, we were stuck home. 
And I could imagine there were people that always were commuting and they were out of, either out of town a lot or away from home and they came home late and they had to leave early and they desperately wanted to spend more time with their families. And then all of a sudden this year, you're working from home and you're able to spend plenty of time with your family. And you think to yourself, I can finally do what I always wanted to do. And that's a tremendous siyata dishmaya. That's mochisi ka'af b'sha'acha. Kaddish changed the world. And he made it easy for you. And now it's as if you worked so hard to do it. And a Baruch attributes everything on our credit. That's mochisi ka'af b'sha'acha. To remember, we have to chip away little by little by little by little and eventually gets erased. And a Baruch will change the situation to make it easy for us. And then attribute the full credit to us. <clears throat> the last Pasuk is the Pasuk of Yom Kippur itself. And that's the Pasuk of Kibiyoyim Azei Chapra Aleichem, Matayra Eschem, Ufnei Hashem Titaru. The day of Yom Kippur is a day that we become pure in front of Hashem. And it means the Pasuk really is the mitzvah of doing tshuva. It's the mitzvah of saying vidui. That's the way Rabbi Yonah learns this. It's a commandment to do tshuva on Yom Kippur, do kabbalah, do charata, leave the avers behind us, and to admit our avers to Hakadosh Baruch But there's a key word in this pasuk that I never appreciated. What that pasuk is saying, what the words are, and it's lefnei Hashem. We have to do tshuva lefnei Hashem in front of Hashem. What does that mean? And I think that that's the second point that COVID has taught, has taught us. How much we have to appreciate what a Kaddish Baruch Hu does for us. How much we have to realize we can't take anything for granted. Everything is a gift from Hashem. And it's a key point for doing tshuva. It's almost impossible to do tshuva without that. Let me explain. We say, Hashemnu, Bagadnu, Gozalnu. Right? We have sinned, we have betrayed you, and we have stolen. The reality is, you can say those three words about every single Avera. And let me explain how. Imagine someone's wife or a husband, one of the spouse needs time at night. They desperately need time. They need to study for a test. They need time to learn. They need time to do something. And the other spouse says, you know what? I'm going to give you a two-hour chunk at night. Not just any two hours. I'm going to let you have six p.m. to 8 p.m., right? The hardest time of the night when the kids are crazy, when, when it's bedtime and it's supper time and it's homework time, it's your time. I'll do it all by myself. You do it. You take your time off and do what you need to do. Okay? So the husband or wife now has those two hours and they totally waste the time. Totally waste the time. They do something totally else. They just, you know, waste the time. Not only do they waste the time, they do something that's actually destructive to the family. They gamble online. Right? They do something, they really, they, they do something bad. And then the spouse finds out about it. And the spouse says, Oh, Shamnu, you wasted and ruined all that time. But God, you betrayed my trust that I knocked myself out to give this to you. And Gazalnu, and you stole that time from me. I didn't give it to you on, on I, I didn't give it to you for this purpose. This is my time. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us every single thing that we have, and He entrusts it to us. He gives it to us with a mission. And there's so many things we have that other people would love to have, would die to have. We have good health. There are so many people that would love to have that kind of health. We have children. There are so many people who would love to have children. We have wealth. We have money. There are people who need that, who don't have that, a house, a car. Everything that we have, everything that we're blessed with, everything in our lives that we take for granted. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives that to us. And he says, here, you can have it. I'll let you have it. And here, you have it. Do something with it. It's a mission. 
And if we recognize that, that's Lifnei Hashem, then we understand we're standing in front of Hashem, we're relating to Him, we have a relationship with Him, He entrusted us with something, He gives us these things, and then we can say, Hashemnu, Bogadnu, Gazanu. You can't say it otherwise. We can't mean it otherwise. <clears throat> And this is the second precious lesson that COVID has been trying to bang into our heads. Recognize where we're getting everything from. Recognize that Kodesh Baruch Hu can take it away at a moment's notice. Everything that we didn't even know, we didn't even realize we have to take, that we're taking it for granted. School, you ever thought you're taking school for granted? All the things that we take for granted, we never even thought about that we're taking for granted. Now we know that we were. And we have to appreciate that Hashem gives it to us. And then we'll find ourselves with Hashem. So what can we do about that? So I think we can definitely find our answer for that in Brachas. Maybe we should be taking on Asher Yatsar. Think of it. Maybe even once a day, the first Asher Yatsar, say it and really appreciate our good health. Maybe our Bari Nefashas, right? Bari Nefashas, think of what that Bracha means. Bari Nefashas, Rabbis V'chesrein, and He creates everything that we need. He fills every single need. It's a very all-encompassing Bracha. And we have to still really start appreciating our health and our, 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 our fortune in a good way. But I think we need to do even more than that. I think we have to go a step further. We have to verbalize it. We have to talk to our children, to our family, to, some, to someone, even just say it out. How much we appreciate what we have. Maybe once a week, maybe on Shabbos, maybe every day. There's a good meme for this too. Let me share, you, share this with you. It says, there's a picture of a school bus and a mother and a kid, and it says, it's a school bus, Mom. Stop referring to it as the answer to my prayers. So, I think we have to start doing that. We have to start truly expressing how much we appreciate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us. And then we'll find ourselves with Nei Hashem. So in summary, let's use the lessons taught to us this year to enable our tshuva. First of all, we have to realize we're not in control and really, really rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help us to do tshuva. He wants to help us. He's going to move Shemayim Ba'aretz. Miraculously, or Darach HaTeva, He's going to help us do that tshuva. And we'll daven our hearts out for it. On Yom Kippur. That's what Yom Kippur is all about. Davening for that siyata dishmaya for tshuva. Let's daven throughout the year by hashivenu in different places in davening. Find a place, daven HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help us be successful in doing tshuva. And let's chip away, chip away at those Averis, not give up, do it again and again, and not forget to be mikabal on ourselves to improve our Bein Adam And let's bring ourselves back, Lefnei Hashem. Let's get to that recognition of how much we get from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how much we've been taking for granted, and we have to stop taking from granted, for granted. Let's say it in our brachis, and let's verbalize it to our family. And may this schus be what we and all of Klal Yisrael needs to grant us a Shana Teva Mesukah, a year of Rachman and Chesed, the year of Argoula, with Mashiach Tzadkainib Mehera of Yemenu Amen. May everybody be Zechata Gemar Chasim Ataiva. Have a good night. Thank you.